everybody. This is One More Road for the Beer, the beer, food, and travel podcast where we talk about the best cities in Europe to drink beer. I'm Zachary Johnston. With me, as always, is my beer Sherpa, Mr. Joe Stang. Hi, Zach. Hello, Joe. So, where are we going today? Well, are we really going to the best cities in Europe? You just said the best cities. Are we, are we just going to our favorites? <laughs> I consider my taste to be very good. Thank uh, yeah, you very much. You excellent taste. <laughs> yes. And bits of randomness as well. Yeah. Although this is not one of the random ones. This is like one of the, uh, you know, world capital Everyone wants to go there and have a good time places. We're, we're going to Amsterdam today. Nice. Probably most well-known party, art, and food cities that most people are going to hit sometime in their life if they travel to Europe. It is one of those bucket list cities, right? It's like, one day I got to go to Amsterdam. Of course, everyone's got different reasons for why they want to go to Amsterdam. Well, I mean, that's the sort of thing for me. Uh, uh, similarly to Rome, my sort of focus shifted over the years from going there to party and have fun like a silly 20-year-old to now I go and I like walking around the beer bars because I almost completely missed the first time I was there that Amsterdam has this beautiful old-school brown-walled beer culture. It's such a beautiful place and it's been nearly ruined by tourists. <laughs> nearly. Uh, nearly. We will help you uh, find those little havens of peace. The city can get crazy, right? Oh, I, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it is it is a party town, and at night particularly, it can be a bit wild uh, on certain streets and areas. And yet, it's actually a really cool place to bring your family, for example. If you go to the right areas, um, I think it has gotten prohibitively expensive to stay in the heart of the center there. Yeah. And yet, if you're, you know, youngish and you don't have kids, you really maybe ought to once in your life and, and really be in the middle of it. Either way, you can stay on the outskirts. You can stay in Harlem. Uh, right. It's easy to take a train in. Uh, you can take the train from the Hague, man. You can. It's really easy to get around. In the city, I mean, when you're talking about staying outside the center, there are trams that will take you everywhere. And it's, you know, two bucks. You pay with your card at the platform for a ticket, get a day ticket. It's like five, six bucks, maybe seven now. And we're talking like three, four tram stops and you're out of the center and you're in a place where the price of a hotel is going to go from 70 to 90 for, you know, a regular two, three star hotel to 40, 50 fairly quickly if you're not there on a weekend. And you don't want to miss, you know, walking around the center. Of course uh, I mean, it's so beautiful, uh, you know, strolling past the canals and there's so much there to see that and it's not all uh, a party. Yeah. And I, it's sort of you know, the way it's set up in this circular kind of U-shape kind of towards the uh, train station, you can get lost in there for days, honestly, and always find a new little corner spot where, you know, there might be some amazing food or a little bar with people pouring out of it, drinking on the street. Especially the bars, especially bars, yeah. You will not get bored over a weekend there just wandering around. Nope. So before we dive into where you go, for me, whenever I thought about the Netherlands, I thought about pretty thin lagers, Gouda cheese, croquettes out of vending machines, some, you know, nice, very hearty European food, you know, pancakes and mussels and fritz and things like that. But like I said, the beer was always sort of like, you think of Heineken and the uh, derivations thereof. So what would we sort of be looking for when we're walking around Amsterdam beer-wise? Well, first of all, I've never seen a croquette vending machine. And now that you said that exists, I want one in my house. Yes, they're fantastic. Uh, I doubt they're good. Come on. <laughs> it's a vending machine. Yeah, <laughs> they're like 50 cents to a euro and they're hot croquettes. So it, you get what you pay for. Okay. With like a cold bottle of Heineken you picked up from the corner store. And exactly. I, I can see that at around two in the morning. I can yeah. I can do that. And there's a, there's a spicy one in there. It's like a spicy bechamel. And it's like, okay, this you can get into it at two in the morning. 
Uh, well, there's a gamut of kind of places you can go. You do, of course, have your modern international style variety beer bars. And we're going to get in a couple of those. But um, I think from a cultural standpoint, beyond the excellent museums, uh, you got to go to a brown cafe. And uh, that is what the Netherlands and particularly Amsterdam does very, very well. These old comfy and they are literally brown for a couple of reasons cafes where you know the people are pretty friendly the beer is relatively cheap and it's a place geared toward sitting around for a good long while and drinking or just popping in for a quick one of course it's okay too usually just a couple of snacks nothing you know um, that's what i love about amsterdam especially so those are my little quiet places to go right and is it the scene there would it be more just like little local beers or are they bringing in like things from the area because i mean obviously belgium is literally right there and it's in between france and germany and denmark's right there so in your typical amsterdam brown cafe you're going to get a, a heineken and or amstel maybe a brand pilsner which is another heineken owned uh beer or in you often will see a couple of other um craft beers Often, sometimes it's owned by the big companies, sometimes not. You may see something from Jopen, which is a very good um, independent brewery out in Harlem. Uh, so um, there's sometimes a couple of choices. There's a good amount of uh, Belgian nails spotted here and there, you know, um, because those are pretty easy to find on corners here and there. We're, I think we're going to cut right to some where you're going to find a better selection. In that case, let's cut straight to it. <laughs> right. Well, I, the place that's now one of my favorite bars in the whole world is the Pilsner Club. Oh, yes. The local name for it is a bit different, and they call it the Engelserate, and this means the English ass. Okay. <laughs> or arse, depending on. Uh, and it's that's because, kind of funny. Yeah, well, the rate is the, or ass is the dialect word for a dead-end alleyway. Oh, okay. Yeah, and this alleyway in particular ended at the uh, Begeinhof, or the Beginage. This was the old sort of cloistered community for uh, women in the medieval times, uh, and in the English Reformed Church. This is why this particular ass is English. Anglicerate. There you go. Uh, but for me, it's the Pilsner Club. Uh, and so it is It is a classic. It's got enough eccentricities. I don't know if I can call it a, a textbook example of a brown cafe. But it's a small place. It's very cozy. It's got, you know, uh, it's got a nice couple of layers of framed nostalgia and, and old beer signs and paintings that I think were, I believe were painted by the founder of the place. This is like fourth generation owned now, family run place. An unusual thing about this bar is there is no bar. There's a little back room that uh, a waiter wearing a necktie goes back to pour your drink and, and brings it out to you very efficiently, of course. And they have about 20 odd beers here, 25, maybe 30 beers on a, on a good day. And they're pretty good. This is extensive menu, yeah. Yeah, you're going to get, well, I don't know if it's extensive, but but for, for the place like this, it's extensive. Right. And yeah. for the location, I mean, we are in the center here. Yeah, you know, right. It's very, very, very central. I mean, no one would mistake it for a craft beer bar. Right. Uh, but uh, they have um, quite a few Trappist beers. Uh, you can get West Mala, Double and Triple and, and uh, you can get an Orval, I think, last time I was there. You can get Duvel. So, and you can get uh, Lambic beers. You can get Gurs and Creek from Bone. So, and the bottle of Gurs is four euros for a small bottle. And right. So, but the thing to drink here, if you want to participate in the ritual uh, of, the, of the locals, is to have a fresh glass of Heineken. It's less than three euros for a little 25 centimeter glass. It's super fresh. And then if, you know, if you're just doing that just so you can say you did, then after that you can go on to the <laughs> to the Orval or whatever. Yeah, I think I went on to the Orval when I was there because it was sort of kind of nice. And so they had tables outside as well. Yeah. And you can just sort of people watch people go up and down the alley. And it was a wonderful time. Colorful artwork on the on the walls of the alley too. It's Absolutely. Pretty, it's cool. Yeah. 
you can see in this place ex- like the real reasons why they call these things brown cafes. You've got your your wood paneling, enough of that, um, and then you've got wallpaper that is also brown. But the wallpaper was not originally brown. No, <laughs> that was white. <laughs> At some point, that was white, and they'll prove it to you. You can uh, ask them to tilt a little framed painting, and then you can see it's still white behind that painting, like this, you know, <laughs> brownness all the way around. And it's because they just, you know, it's nicotine patina. They just smoked it up. In the old days, they would all start with white wallpaper, and then it would take really three to six months, and they were brown. Also, can't understate enough, there isn't a bar there. So the first time I walked in, you kind of get lost because you're like, where do I, or what's going on? Because it's like, you're so used to walking into a place and there being a bar, you go up and order. And, yeah. And yeah, it's just a friendly guy in a, in a shirt and tie. I mean, like, what would you like? And if you're hungry, they have boiled eggs. <laughs> 50 cents. Perfect. Mm-hmm. They used to be free in the old days. Now they're 50 cents. Well, 50 cents for an egg isn't It's robbery. <laughs> okay. So moving from there, we're still sort of in the center, center of the city. Where would we go next? Well, that's a good question. I think um, we could, I mean, there's a couple of world-class beer bars, beer specialist bars we got to mention. Okay. It may be the first place actually you want to hit if you're arriving at the train station because it's not far from the station is Indewildeman or the or the, the wild man, the caveman. And it is also really beneath that layer of beer specialist pub. It is really another brown cafe. It's got the brown bits and the age and the nostalgia and the old beer signs and a barrel here and there. But it's got 200 to 300 bottled beers at any given time. And another, uh, usually, I think it's around 20 taps, 18, 20 taps. Um, and, the, and the selection is good. It'll never be 20 IPAs on tap there. Never. Um, you're going to get a few lagers, often good German ones. Um, you're going to get uh, good Belgian ales. And then you're going to get a, a, a nice uh, sampling of better Dutch independent brewing. And it'll be strange stuff. I was checking today and they had uh, from Butcher's Tears, uh, one of the local breweries, they had uh, something called Monster Soup. And, <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where the name comes from, actually, but it's a series of beers that they've done based on some historical recipes. And the historical recipes are not boring recipes. These are all something that have like oomph to them. Yeah, that's their jam. We'll get to it. But yeah, that's definitely their jam. Okay, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Okay. This particular one today anyway was the TT uh, Monster Soup HHD or something. They have letters to let you know what recipe is supposed to be. Uh, This is a lightly smoked porter for keeping, strongish porter, and they kept it on oak barrels for a year. I'd be very curious to know what that tastes like. I, I think every one of those beers is educational. Um, so, uh, Wildman set us by the train station, like walking distance, right? Oh, easy. Yeah, you, I think you can get there in f- five, seven minutes walk from the station. It's let's right. let's it's call easy. it 10. That means from the minute you walk out of the airport, get on the train, you could be there in 30 minutes flat yeah. from the airport. Pretty much, yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a pretty fast uh, express train straight from yeah, the airport. Yeah. It's yep. 12 to 15 minutes, I think, if yeah. I remember correctly. It's, it's slick, yeah. Seven bucks. I can't even remember anymore, but it was very cheap. Last time I was in Amsterdam, I drove to Amsterdam. All right. And I parked at the airport <laughs> because it was easier than parking anywhere near the center. And that's you a just good tip. Yeah, you, then you hop on the express train and you're there, right yeah. in the middle of it. So that's just it. So when you get off the plane, go through immigration, and you feel like you need a beer, there will be one in your hand. Yeah, at a don't great worry. bar in twenty or thirty minutes. Yeah. Another thing that Indu Wilderman has, besides, and I think we, I, I want to make clear, like if you get bored of tasting odd things, you can have a, a gl- big half liter of Jaeger for five euros, which in Amsterdam is a t- steal. Right. Uh, so they um, have another range from another brewer, actually more of a blender uh, called Tommy Chef, and uh, 
it's uh, really interesting stuff if you're into wild beers, half wild beers, stuff with wild yeast in it. Really uh, tart, not quite sour, elegant, interesting beers. A lot of them with uh, fruit in it, like his, his main one. He has his own his own culture of mixed uh, yeast and bacteria that he uses. And he uh, one of the better ones he does is Dreif, which is uh, with organic grapes and he mashes it in there every uh different variety every year it's really interesting stuff it ain't cheap but it's really uh you know if you want a bottle of something really interesting that's a good one to go with so we're already two beers in here let's uh go to a beer bar where we can get a snack because there's a snack i really love in amsterdam called bitter balls Bitterballen. 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 And it yeah. usually comes with uh, some nice pickles and a little tube of mustard. Sometimes it just comes with a dollop of mustard, but I like it when it comes with a little tube. It's like a, I don't know, novelty. I mean, they're little fried bechamel balls usually. Sometimes yeah. they change them No, up. it's not bechamel. It's not bechamel? No, it, it, this is, re- it's, it's, re- a, it's really one of the most like disgustingly tasty things right. or deliciously gross things. It's like a meat paste. Stewy it, sort of like yeah. stew that's been like pulverized. A, yeah, it's like a thick beef ragu, and you have to be really careful when you eat these things. And it's a fried ball, you know. It's yeah. like crumbs or, or uh, yeah, basically breadcrumb. So you get a crusty crust yeah. on the outside when it's fried. And there's an art to eating them because if you wait too long, you get this like thick pasty mess. But you're really tasting what they taste like. Then you don't really want to do that. You also don't want to eat them too fast. Yeah, too soon. Burn your tongue. Yeah, you will. your mouth will be a, a desolation of blisters and, and uh, you, you won't be able to taste anything the rest of the trip. So you got to wait for that right moment. I don't know when that is. I've never quite figured it out. Uh, <laughs> because it's so savory and it's fried and it's really good with beer if you, and if you, uh, if you don't kill yourself eating them too fast. So I've had a couple different ones uh, last time I was there. I had the stew ones, which were sort of like, it's like a fried stew ball. Yeah, I know that's hard to conceptualize, but... And then there was one I had that was sort of like, uh, like a bolognese. The different flavors. That's not normal, right? right? I mean, oh, that, okay, you got to right. go to places. The classic yeah. sort of just like this is a, this is the old school. This is it. I want to say I also had a like a fancy one that was like brisket and mac and cheese or something like that, but pulverized like the stew one was. Mm-hmm. And so it was sort of. Well, it was delicious, but also just like you felt bad after you ate it because it's sort of uh, yeah. So there's a great place to get a selection of them, or say a useful place, um, and it's the Food Holland, just west of the of the center of the center. You know? Yeah, you can walk it, but there's a tram that will get you there. Yeah, very quickly, easy tram ride, and it's a fun food hall too. I mean, uh, I love food halls, indoor uh, and outdoor. Yeah. Uh, and of course, in there you got your tacos and your sushi and your burgers and and uh, other things. There's but an oyster bar, which is fantastic. Okay, <laughs> you, you always have to hit the oyster bars. Yes. See, we'll do a show where where I'm telling all the uh, the pinball museums and you do all the oyster bars. Perfect, and, and that'll be a fine, very fine uh, trip. The place I think in the food Holland we're getting to here is the uh, Ballen Bar, and it is a bitter Ballen specialist, and they do flavors like uh, French truffles, Tom Kagai. So just like the chicken coconut soup. Um, I hope I said that right. Uh, there's the um, bouillabaisse. The one I think I like the best is the spinach with the aged cheese. Yeah, and it's sort of like it's through the uh, 
you know, slow food movement, street food movement, you know, it's expanded off into all these flavors. So if you can think of it, there's probably somebody doing it in ball form in yeah. Amsterdam. And, and the plank they give you, they give you a little board that's just like a, a tasting uh, plank at a, at a brew pub or something. Yeah. And so they, they even scribble down the, each flavor for you so so you can keep track. It's all very Instagrammable. You know, there's a little flag stuck in there for you. And, for sure. And it's good fun. Um, and it can very conveniently, because I don't know how you would eat Bitterballen without beer. Uh, there is also a beer bar in the food holland. Uh, and it's got, you know, can't remember how many taps, a dozen or so, plenty of beers, lots of bottled ones too, and um, good local stuff to choose from. And Yeah, and the, the beer bar is sort of on the side, but there's also like a big central bar. So don't be confused. Like the central bar has a couple nice taps as well, but also wine and drinks and everything. And the beer bar with the selection is down on the side mm-hmm. from where that is. So... Yeah, you got to kind of walk on the side to find the. You'll good find beer. it. Yeah, I, the best thing to do in a food hall is wander around anyway. So you'll yeah, find and it's sort of an open format, so you can order from wherever you want to order from, and go sit at any bar, sort of thing, and eat whatever food you want to eat, and drink whatever beer you want to drink. Yeah, I like wandering around outside as well because it's a it's an open air grocery food market, so you can you know get a bag of apples or oranges or something like that to you know be healthy in between your fried stew balls and uh, uh, heavy. You know, loggers. In this part of town, is uh, it, it's refreshing if you've been in the center for very long. I mean, of course, the locals would still call it the center, but for us, it's a little bit removed as a, as a tourist. And you look around, and it's pretty residential, and you see, oh, people actually live in Amsterdam? Oh, wow. It's not just like this preserved museum of a canal center. Absolutely. Um, and this is near, you can walk easily from there down to the Vondelpark. And which there's a place there, too, I think uh, we wanted to mention as well. Yes, right? that is Craft and Draft, which is one of my favorite things, a beer shop that's also a bar. For one thing, I like to go to places and drink great beer and not spend a premium price. And this is close enough in the middle of Amsterdam. I mean, the locals would consider it still probably the center for all intents and purposes that, you know, you can spend three euro on a great beer. That would probably be five, just a 20 minute walk back towards the train station. And uh, also, it's got a nice atmosphere. I mean, everyone there is a beer lover. They're there to drink good beer. Their selection is phenomenal. And of my small you know, knowledge of the place, it seemed phenomenal. It's a really good selection, yeah. yeah. It's one of those places where, uh, I mean, it is a craft beer bar. Like, it's, it, You could unplug it from this neighborhood in Amsterdam and probably put it into just about any city these days. Right. But if you just want the beer, it's there. But the cool thing, like you were saying, is you can actually get the beer to take away, too. Yes. which is the park is right there. Yeah. So if you got a beautiful day, you can get the, I think they have even these PET bottles. They probably pay like a euro for something and then you fill that up with anything on draft, take it with you. And I remember fills being below 10 euros for a big fill that will last you an afternoon easily in the park. My suggestion, grab some funky Gouda that's been aged from a store, maybe a little local salami, Maybe a baguette if you're into that. Get your growler, go to the park, enjoy the sunny afternoon, watch the people go by. What's the right way to say Gouda? 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 I don't know. I say Gouda. Gouda. I I, I think as Americans, we have to say Gouda. Gouda, It's like we say soccer instead of football, we say Gouda. But I'm sure it's, I think it's wrong. We say also Van Gogh, right? It's like like Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. right, yeah. We're really sorry, Dutch people, but it's just how we were brought up. We're maladjusted. I butcher Dutch all the time. That's why I'm sort of trepidatious about pronouncing any of the neighborhoods because it's just sort of like, I'm just going to butcher that. I'll tell you where the uh, bar is on the map that I put in the Uprox post. You can <laughs> click right on it. We're not an authority on pronunciation. No. If you haven't learned that by now. I think another place that's really worth spending your time getting to is, as we mentioned before, Butcher's Tears. I mean, it Butcher's Tear, sorry. Um, it's out of the way, 
like you're gonna have to trek out to it probably take you 20 minutes it's in an old industrial area it's in an old warehouse which is very you know kind of chic craft beer aesthetic that we're used to these days I think it's worth it. Last time I was there, they had a beer on tap, which is a true to style Old England IPA, as in they made it in the way it was made, say in the 1700s or 1800s, and then they barreled it for the length of time it would have taken to get to India, and then they tapped it, and you got to drink it. Fascinating to me. I think it's really cool, that brewery. I haven't been there. So I don't know what it's like there, but I think if you want to visit breweries, uh, visit a good local brewery. I've had several of the beers, and I, I really I like them very much, and I yeah. and I like the the approach behind the beers. There's a seriousness to it, a sort of bookish nerdiness in looking for these uh, sort of classic types of beer. It's not just the historical ones, but they do uh, some some nice like. Uh, Belgian-ish farmhouse ales and, and a lot of very sort of faithful versions of British ales. and Yes, and I very think faithful. They do it on hand pump as well, some of them on the cask. Yep. So it's, Absolutely. It, I think it's it's cool to see a brewery approaching that way instead of jumping on the latest, you know, hazy fruit bomb IPA bandwagon yeah, trend. So. The, there's no trendiness here, except for in the actual place. The place is like the hippest taproom brewery I've probably ever been to. I mean, it turns into like a club a night with DJs and, you know, all the cool kids in their hipster clothes are there. Now you're uh, talking me out of it. What are you doing? Man? I, I was like all set to go there. <laughs> it's this crazy mix of like all those people are still beer lovers and therefore the beer. For me, it's this thing where it's like you go there for a completely unique experience because it's so rare to find those historical beers being brewed and appreciated and served, you know, properly and really, truly loved. And then, you know, there's good food that you would expect to be in a, you know, a hip brewery that that food's there and the sort of people that come around it later at night, you know, they do their thing. It's fun. You can go back into town. You can go to another brewery. I just like sitting there during the day and enjoying a beer that I probably won't be able to get anywhere else, which is kind of the point of travel. Yeah, it is. Well, you know, <laughs> depends who you are. Oh, right. I, I, I'll drink a shit number of pills no matter where I find it. So I'm lit. Very true. Very true. Yeah. You know, it's one of those experiences. It is out of the way. So you kind of go there, you have that experience, and you sort of, if you really fall in love with it, you know, stay longer, party with other kids, or go back the next day, or move on to another bar. Yeah. Well, I think if we head back to the center a bit, uh, there is one we absolutely have to mention. One of the world-class ones I mentioned, I would say. It's the Aaron's Nest, and it is a classic sort of Dutch beer bar. Yeah. Uh, classic meaning that it's older than five years. Uh, it's, actually about, it's actually about 20 years old. Um, and it's got a classy feel to it. It's a it's a long, narrow bar. Somehow, and, and it's a small place, somehow they've managed to squeeze 50 taps, actually 52, including two cask hand pumps into this place. Wow. Go kind of on the off hours so you can be a little more comfortable maybe. I can get full in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's easy to get to so yeah. it gets full. And the thing that's different about this one is it's old Dutch brewed. So it is, if you want to get to know the Dutch brewing scene, and by the way, there's more than 600 breweries in the Netherlands now. Um, and it's it's not a huge country. That's a, no. little, that's a lot. And <laughs> the vast majority of those are small little independent jobbers. And this is kind of a, a good place to get to know it a little better. Instead of walking into, you know, maybe a more uh, familiar looking craft beer bar and seeing a, a lot of the same breweries names that you see in other places. You know, you're not going to see Stone or Brewdog in, in, uh, in the Aaron's Nest. But you will see, besides all those different beers, uh, you're going to see a really nice range of smoked sausage and 
aged cheeses as well. So that kind of thing will keep you there a while while you're getting to know at least a few of those 52 beers on tap. So now everybody knows where to find us if they hear we're in Amsterdam together. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a good spot, man. It's it's a good one. What I sort of uh, really love about this thing, as you said, there are so many breweries and it's a tiny country especially coming from the United States, especially coming from the West Coast. I like the idea of you go into a bar like that, you test a beer, and you know what? The next day you can pop on a train, go to that brewery, and see what they got going on if they have an open tap room or an open brewery really easily and inexpensively. Yeah, I mean, Western Europe is basically like an amusement park, right? There's all the... (laughs) It's insane how quickly you can get around countries. Just in between Belgium and Netherlands, it's insane how quickly you can get back and forth. I mean... Brussels is a 90-minute ride away on the train. You know, that's a commute for a lot that, of people. That was a long time coming. That was yeah. It didn't used to be that way. That's what's great about Amsterdam is that there are plenty of budget airlines that fly in there now, Norwegian, Huawei, or things like that. So you can get there fairly inexpensively and comfortably from the U.S. And then just make it your base of operations. I mean, start in Amsterdam, then go to Brussels, then, you know, maybe... Go down to Cologne, whatever. Yeah, it's easy. If you were going to get on a Eurail pass or something like that, it would be a good place to start and scoot around in some kind of a circle and then wind up back there in the end, fly back out. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I think we've covered a few great spots. Talked about a little bit to eat. Where's one last stop that you'd hit in Amsterdam before you left? Well, conveniently, it is also by the station as well. (laughs) Perfect. And if you're staying in the center, it could also be a, a, a kind of an ideal place to finish the night as well. Depends if you believe in the whole liquor before beer thing. Uh, <laughs> That's <laughs> it, all the same. It could maybe hits where you start your day. I don't know. <laughs> right. But there's a really classy old uh, Geneva bar called the Olafsport. And uh, it is also technically basically a brown cafe, although it has a kind of apothecary look to it because of all the old uh, uh, Genevators and liqueurs and stuff yeah. on the shelves sitting all around. There's like some stained glass window as well, right? I'm, I might be thinking of a, a just that area in general because it's sort of down. It's in the middle of the action. I mean, yeah, it, it's it, right in the middle. Yeah. It's straight. It's like straight south of the station. Yeah. It's really close. And then and then you're um, close to party zone as well. But and yet the pub is like you're usually going to get this sort of mellow level of babbling conversation. It's very chill in there and it's quiet and it's kind of a place to hide. Uh, with something strong if you need it. So Um, Geneva, that's like the precursor to gin. Yeah, it's it's basically the low country's gin. Okay. Uh, And... um, here it's uh you can get it young or old for me the cool thing to do i like to get the the old brown <laughs> stuff the stuff the old men are drinking you know the uh, i like it aged in the uh you know the, in the oak barrels and it takes on that color and and then um one is enough for me really like it's more of an experience <laughs> this uh, is true everyone this yeah. is true one is enough for joe when it comes to the hard stuff <laughs> <laughs> they, they tend to fill it up to the rim which i think is kind of cool and and then you have to kind of either be really careful or put your face down there and sip it off the <laughs> off the thing because it's like literally like bulging over the top of the rim, you know, with a little. Yeah. And I mean, they do have a few beers. You can drink an Afligum or a Wit beer, but um, the usual thing is just a nice cold, fresh glass of Amstel, which makes a pretty fine chaser, actually. After. Yeah. And it's not that expensive. Last time I was there, I didn't feel like I broke the bank by having a couple of Genevers and a couple of beer chasers. That's what I kind of found amazing about Amsterdam is you go to the right places prices aren't that bad. I mean, how many Genevers do you need anyway, really? Well, I don't know, six, seven. <laughs> <laughs> it depends. It depends. Yeah. It depends how long I've been walking around the museums and looking for cheese and <laughs> things like that. So yeah, I think that's a good introduction to Amsterdam. Yeah, I, I mean, I can mention because it's around the corner there, there's the Elf Digabod, 
Right. Uh, and it is a pretty cool old brown cafe also. Um, it's a bit sort of deeper with some little nooks and crannies and funky wallpaper in the back and uh, some bit of plush places to sit. Um, but the main action is by the bar where you get all these f- funny locals who will chat you up. And, and they have a, a really good selection of Belgian beers. And, and now it's run by the same folks as Gollum. Uh, the Gollum chain of bars, which we also had to mention, because when uh, Gollum opened, I think it was in the 80s, it was one of the first beer specialist bars of its type uh, right. in the city. And it, they had a whole bunch of Belgian beers. And they still have a whole bunch of Belgian beers, but now they also have a whole bunch of craft beers. And now there's four or five different Gollum locations. And so check out Gollum, too. We'll put it on our maps for you. I also... Um, Always forget which is which. Like, I'll end up going <laughs> to two on the same day. But also speaking of Belgian beers, uh, Die Zota is a very nice Belgian beer bar with uh, really good food. So if you're looking to actually have, like, maybe dinner with very beer-centric foods, so, you know, pate, cheeses, blood sausages, maybe, things like that. Big pile of frits and a wonderful selection of Belgians treated well, poured well in the correct glass. Find that place as well. We'll, again, put it in our show notes. Which, I mean, it makes sense that there would be so much Belgian beer there. I mean, it's literally next door. You can throw a rock sometimes and hit Belgium. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, well, we could go on, right? We, we could, could go, go on. on. Yes. But that's our show. Basically, uh, subscribe, download, like, listen wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Road for the Beer. You can follow us on Instagram at One More Road for the Beer. You can find all this information on Joe's blog the thirsty pilgrim you can also follow him at thirsty pilgrim on twitter uh, and follow his beer adventures he just got back from belgium by the way uh, and had a lot of fun tweeting about that uh, you can find me and um, all the show notes as well on uprocks life zach johnston at uprocks life uh, you can also follow me on twitter at ztp underscore johnston if you want i don't talk as much about beer stuff but uh, this episode was engineered and recorded by test card in berlin thank you everybody good night good night